on. This afternoon we'll introduce the practice of karuna, one of the Brahma Viharas of the Brahma Vihara of compassion. We've said a, a couple of times that there are four of these Brahma Viharas, divine abodes, heavenly realms. They're considered to be the um, most beautiful states that the human heart can cultivate. And each one is an appropriate response to whatever situation we might find ourselves in. So learning to develop them, having a relationship with them of, of um, integration and understanding is really a great support to our practice and, of course, to our life, to all our relationships and experiences. This Brahmavihara of karuna or compassion is the response of the kind heart that meets suffering. And you know in yourself, it's just the natural response when, when a friend comes to us and tells us of their struggles, a family member has an illness, the heart just naturally opens. But that opening can sometimes be brief or flavored with other experiences and, and lead us into contraction or confusion. Doing this practice in this formal way can at times seem artificial and I remember when I was doing it intensively, and all of the Brahma-viharas can be done as intensive practices, it seemed um, a little selfish almost to use someone else's suffering to evoke the beautiful state of compassion, to go again and again to what was difficult for someone. But in the end, I found a real benefit from doing this practice intensively, just through learning the willingness to come back again and again to what's difficult or painful and see if I could stay open, connected, yet balanced as I was having those experiences. And it's a challenging practice. It's challenging to keep turning the mind to suffering, to what's difficult. You know, in metta, we're really focusing on the goodness and the happiness. And when the practice is working, it's really quite lovely. Of course, it has its challenges too. But in compassion, we're really coming back again and again to what's difficult for ourselves or for those we care about. So it can be um, tiring. It can be uh, wearying to do that again and again. So we need to remember that the true state of compassion is not a suffering state. Even as it opens to sadness and suffering, the balance that that it can um, establish allows a steadiness of presence so we don't get worn down. And it's really interesting to watch the movements of mind because again, you know, we don't establish this and land in that place of balance and stay there. For most of us, there'll be a movement in and out of some degree of balance. But when we find that balance, it's actually a beautiful expression of the heart. And again, you all know this expression. One of my teachers would say, it's like the sunset. You know, there's a lot of beauty in it, but also that poignancy of the ending of the day. And compassion has a little bit of that flavor. The archetype of compassion is, of course, Kuan Yin, the goddess of compassion. We have a, a statue of her up on the back in her gesture of royal ease. So she's just sitting there, very comfortable. You know, she's got a knee up like, she's just sitting there like this. But the uh, intention behind that is 
a sense of relaxation and yet ready to respond at any moment to get up. And so she is the uh, emblem of this capacity. It said she hears the, ten, the cries of the world, the sorrows of the world, the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows, yet her heart remains steady even as she opens to that. And some of you may know this, we call her Kuan Yin, she has many names, but many of you probably have a printer sitting on your desk that's a Canon printer. That's uh, a version of the name Kuan Yin. It was named after the goddess of compassion. So I love that my printer is a compassionate printer. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't feel so compassionate towards it, but I'm hoping that it is practicing. Um, and I, a little while ago, there was a clip going around on the internet, again, some of you may have seen it, it was of the Dalai Lama giving a set of teachings. Um, I forget even the circumstances. He was speaking in Tibetan. There was a translation going on along below. And as often, he has his little baseball cap on or visor because he doesn't like the spotlights. So he has his visor on and he's talking away in Tibetan. And underneath, you can see he's talking about the bodhisattva practice, which is the practice of really cultivating bodhicitta, this, this uh, aspiration to awaken for the welfare of all, for the, for the benefit of all. And he's just speaking along, giving, you know, translating his text, talking about it. And he gets to this piece on bodhis- bodhicitta, and he just stops and kind of bows his head. And then you realize he's crying. He's just sitting there, he's shaking a little, and he gets his handkerchief out, and he wipes his eyes. He's just so moved by the practice, the concept of bodhicitta, that he starts crying. And this goes on for a just a few seconds, 20 seconds maybe. And then he straightens up and he just takes off right where he left, takes off right where he left off. He doesn't say, oh, sorry, excuse me, I shouldn't cry or I feel so embarrassed or, you know, this doesn't usually happen. It's just this beautiful expression of tenderness and the balance that enables him to, you know, he's probably got a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand people in front of him listening to him. I thought it was just such a beautiful expression of this possibility of the heart. The uh, Brahma-vihara of compassion has near and far enemies, as Guy uh, said last night. The near enemy of compassion is pity. It's when we uh, feel into the suffering Pity or grief? I I, I think pity is the most relevant one for us. When we feel the suffering of someone, but we distance ourselves. We say, you know, oh, poor you. And in the background, there's a little subtext, and I'm so glad it's not me, you know, rather you than me kind of thing. It's that sense of uh, separation and, and probably based in fear. So there's a contraction around the suffering. So it can feel like, and we can often act out of a sense of pity for someone, but it's not true empathy. Compassion means feeling with. So we need to actually be with the person in their experience, and at the same time not getting out of balance, as I said. The far enemy is actually cruelty. It's, it's uh, delight in um, the suffering of others, and actually... Uh, acts of, of harming. Again, probably not something that we're, we're commonly 
guilty of, but I think Guy spoke last night how he didn't mind being angry, but he didn't want to feel himself to be cruel. So it's something we have to look into our hearts and see, is that there in any way? And uh, feel into that and see if there can be some kind of transformation. The near enemy of pity usually has with it a strong dose of wanting to fix the suffering. And again, that is the, the uh, inclination of compassion. Compassion wants to reach out and um, heal the suffering, lessen the suffering, stop the suffering. But when it's tinged with pity or fear, it's doing it out of not so much a sense of empathy with the other person, but out of our own fear and contraction, not willing to be in this place of suffering. And you've probably had the experience when you've been troubled and someone you tell your troubles to someone and they immediately go into what you can do, what you should do, what, what, what the, you know, the steps are you should take, what, what's wrong with the situation. And all you want is to be heard and to, be, uh, to feel that connection of care from someone. So again, when I was doing the practice intensively, I could feel when I would go into that mode of wanting to get, the, get rid of the suffering for this other person, but it was out of this unwillingness to just let them be in the experience they were having. And so it was interesting to feel this movement, sometimes very subtle, the balance when there was really, really the sense of empathy, and when I would move forward into fixing, and you know, not you know, wanting to get rid of the suffering because I just didn't like it being there. couldn't stand that I was suffering, that this person was suffering. Or I would move back into detachment when I couldn't quite be with the experience. And so we'd just see these very subtle movements of the heart and at times find that balance. As I said, in this beautiful, tender expression of compassion that isn't a suffering state, but is an enormously open and tender and sensitive. The typical phrase for compassion, the standard phrase, is very simple. The traditional phrase is just, may you be free of suffering, may I be free of suffering. That can seem like a tall order sometimes, you know, when you know someone's really struggling, when you're really struggling. So there are lots of variations you can use. Sometimes I find just saying, may you be free of this suffering, and thinking of something quite specific for a person. That seems possible, that that particular suffering might end. But there are also variations such as, I care about your suffering, or may you open to your suffering with compassion, may your suffering be eased. And you can use different words instead of suffering, Um, challenge, illness, difficulty, pain and sorrow. So we can um, just see what's right for you. And as I say, it's usually just one phrase, but sometimes it's helpful to have two. You can, you know, it just brings a little extra nuance to it. So you can play with it, but it's much simpler than the metta practice. Usually one or two phrases that express the sense of compassion. The way the practice is cultivated, traditionally, we start with someone we know who's suffering. So as I'm speaking, you might want to think of who you know who's in a challenging situation, someone you care about, so you know something about them, you know their situation, and they're struggling, whether it's emotionally, physically, their health, 
their living situation, their work situation, their relationships, um, whatever it might be. And so we choose this person that we care about and we just sit with them. Compassion, we feel with them and we say this phrase and notice when we move in and out of the steadiness, the equanimity that needs to be there to truly open in compassion. And then it's said that we go through all of the categories. We start with the suffering person, then we go to ourself, benefactor, good friend, neutral, difficult. I don't want it's too much to do for today, so we'll probably just do the suffering person, self, and, and benefactor or friend. You can choose. And sometimes when someone's, you know, say for the benefactor, it can be hard to say, may you be free of suffering, your suffering, or, you know, again, someone might feel, they might feel that they're doing okay, they don't need my uh, compassion. But to be human, to be alive, means there's suffering. means there's been losses, grief, uh, deaths, that the body has its ailments, getting old or injury, illnesses. Every life has some suffering, no matter how well people might open to it. So part of the practice is just the willingness to stay with that and not be defeated, oh, I can't send this person compassion, I can't be with them in compassion. This is the training of the mind and heart, this willingness to stay steady in this kind of practice. And sometimes compassion is just the right thing to offer to ourselves, to someone else. Guy said sometimes metta can seem a little too uh, high bar. You know, we're just not feeling happy. We can't tune into. Um, the happiness or the safety of someone. But to feel compassion, that tenderness is just the right thing. So whether you do it as a more intensive formal practice or just bring it in in moments in your practice, it's a really helpful addition to the Brahma-viharas. So as we begin to formally do the practice, again, this invitation to sit comfortably, Um, If you need to adjust your posture, whatever you need to do to find that sense of balance and ease. It's compassion that invites us to sit comfortably. We feel the suffering of the body if we're trying to sit too perfectly or sit too long or too still. So with compassion, we invite a sense of ease into the body. Again, this relaxation. Perhaps using your breath, taking a few deeper breaths to begin the sitting. Enlivening on the in-breath and just relaxing on the out-breath. Relaxing and softening. Becoming present. Letting the attention just rest very gently and naturally in this experience of breathing particularly paying attention to the area of the center of the chest, the heart. Just allowing the breath to move easily and gracefully in and out of that area. Making sure your breath is somewhat full. Really a sense of ease in the breath. Aliveness in the breath and relaxing those parts of the body that you know you often hold tension. The face, the jaw, the neck, the shoulders. 
chest and belly, pelvic area, legs and arms. Just letting yourself rest, settle, stillness. And out of this place of being connected, being quite alert and enlivened by the breath and the sensations of the body, bringing into your heart this person you've chosen to work with, the suffering person, someone who's having challenges in their life. You don't need to perhaps choose someone who's in such a state of difficulty, it will be hard for you to find balance. But someone you know you have a real tenderness for. And the practice is just to be willing to open to what's difficult for them. You can name it or feel it, but not be overwhelmed. To know that you can only really help them be of service to them, be a companion for them, if there's some degree of steadiness or equanimity or balance in your response as you're with them. Just feeling into that internally, that sense of balance, steadiness, openness, and begin to say the phrases of compassion for this person. May you be free of your suffering. May you open to your difficulty with compassion. I care about your pain and sorrow. May your suffering be eased. May you hold your pain with compassion. Some variation of that phrase or two phrases. It just recognizes the difficulty. And without trying to fix the situation, expresses the care that you have for this person and your wish that their suffering be lessened, be eased, be ended. Getting a visual sense of this person, if that's helpful, or a felt sense. Not getting lost in stories about their difficulty. 
just staying with their essence. This act of caring, saying their name, if that's helpful. And see if you can just steadily repeat the phrase or phrases of compassion.
staying steady with the phrase, perhaps because it's such a simple practice, just saying the phrase on the out-breath, really a sense of radiating, spreading the compassion to this person.
And now moving the focus of the compassion practice towards yourself. It can be a really helpful and healing practice just to recognize the suffering that we experience. Not to deny it, push it away, or just be mindful of it, but to recognize this is suffering. I'm suffering with this. This is really difficult for me. So in the same way with that attitude of tenderness and friendliness, being willing to bring to mind and heart whatever's challenging for you right now. Could be just in the moment that your back is aching or your stomach is upset. Or whatever emotions or grieving, losses that you bring to the retreat, challenges and troubles in your life. Again, not getting lost in the story, but just bringing enough of that experience into your mind. You can really open to it, turn towards it with this attitude of compassion. May I open to this difficulty with compassion. May my heart be filled with compassion for this challenge, this suffering. May this pain and sorrow be eased. May I be free from suffering. This steadiness, staying connected to yourself, If you find you get lost, take a moment just to remind yourself of this intention to compassion and begin the phrases again.
And now bringing to mind either your benefactor or friend, whoever you feel you'd like to work with. In this way, you can most easily connect with this feeling of compassion. Taking those few moments to really sense into their being, a visual sense, and the willingness just to tune into what's difficult for them. Thinking about them a little bit, your relationship to them, but only enough to allow this feeling of compassion to be evoked, not getting lost in the story or the memories, but just staying steady with that heart sense of compassion, of caring. Same phrase you've used for yourself. May your suffering be eased. May your heart open to this difficulty with compassion. And for the last few minutes of the meditation, really opening up to include everyone in this room you're practicing with, 
knowing that each person has a measure of suffering in their life. And going beyond this room to all beings everywhere. So just a sense of radiating out this sensitivity, this awareness of suffering in the world, all beings. May all beings be free from suffering. I care about the suffering of the world. May the suffering that exists everywhere be eased and ended. You can stay in balance as you open in this way to the suffering of the world. If you found this practice helpful, something you'd like to develop, it can be quite powerful to do some more intensive sessions of compassion practice, to do some more sitting or some walking practice with it, perhaps every day to include a period of sitting and walking compassion practice, whatever feels right for you. But particularly it's helpful as a response to difficulty. If you find that you're struggling again, emotionally, physically, in whatever way, just to turn directly towards that and say, this is difficult. I always hear Sylvia Borstein's voice when I talk about this because I know she just says, oh, honey, you're suffering. Oh, what can I do? And she just has that really tender way of talking to herself. So find that voice of compassion that you can express towards yourself that just acknowledges when things are difficult because they often are. And usually we want to you know, plow ahead or resist it or get angry or fearful. And the compassion just invites a sense of presence that can really shift our relationship to whatever it is we're struggling with. So wonderful to include that. Any questions about the compassion practice? Yes. 
So, yeah, sending compassion to someone who's basically in a uh, care situation where they're not really alive, even as they continue on, is that? that, And you wanted to say, go in peace. I think something like that could be fine for that situation, especially as we're doing compassion like this, just in response to a particular situation and not developing it in a concentrated way, uh, intensively. Really trust your heart's response. you know, and it could be even more specific than that. I think that's that's fine. Uh, you know, I don't want to be easy to talk in private about what might be some alternatives for you, but you could talk to your teacher, next person you see, about what that might be. And I'm sure you can come up with some things that really just speak to your care for her, which includes, you know, that aspect, that, that this is her situation. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Yes, Jeannie. Yes, so it's a good point. Yeah, that that saying to someone, may you be free of your suffering, is a bit like saying, I'll pray for you, and it can be condescending. And that's where we have to find, you know, the compassion to really be with the person in what they're experiencing, that it's not me, I'm okay, I'm, you know, got everything to do this, so I'll pray for you, I'll send you this wish from my vantage point of togetherness. No, it has to have that humanity in it that just acknowledges the togetherness in this. And then we're not separate. Whatever suffering they're experiencing, in some form or another, we will experience also, sooner or later, or even right now. So yes, it's important. Yes? How do you move from it feeling tender for you having tenderness? Do you know what I mean? Where it's whatever you're... So I was thinking about um, a friend of mine and just what, the, what they were going through just made me hurt. I couldn't move from that feeling of hurting and it being tender, like like a tender spot, to actually having the tenderness. Okay, so I think the question is, when she was thinking of someone who was suffering, it, it basically, the tenderness... God said it was painful for you. And I didn't talk so much about the other near enemy, which is grief, you know, which is where we are overwhelmed by whatever it is that we're, we're experiencing or the other person ex- is experiencing. And grief is a natural response, a human response, especially to extreme loss. It's just a phase we go through. 
but we really need to see when it is um, when we're in when it's actually preventing us from being certainly with someone else in their suffering because when we're so lost in our pain we can't truly be with them but you can't force that you know that that transition if you're feeling the suffering if you actually are suffering because of what you're experiencing in their situation, you need to make space for that. But there just has to be the recognition or the mindfulness of what that is and that it's not compassion, that it is, you know, in a little way being overwhelmed. And just through your mindfulness, through openness, through softness and tenderness to your own experience, finding some way of more balance in that. So it's just a process. And most of the time when we start a new practice like this or bring up someone suffering, we will move into that experience of being overwhelmed. It nearly always happens. It's like, oh, you know, we're right there and, and, and feeling really the pain of it. So it's, it is a practice to be able to still feel and really connect with them and stay in balance. I was practicing with my... Uh, a relative who's really ill got a you know terminal diagnosis, and I could just feel it, the tendency to collapse in the sadness around it. But looking to find what I truly wished for her was that her heart stayed open. But it would only I could only really wish that when I could have my own kind of I was going to say integrity. It's not quite the word, but steadiness for her. So it's just an exploration. And we will find that we'll go into those um, phases of grief or being overwhelmed with the, the emotion. But, and that's not a problem. It's not bad or wrong. It's can we find our way to some steadiness or balance so that we really can be there for the other person. So we, we go in and out. There's no direct path for this. Okay. Well, I hope this practice was helpful. As I said, the invitation is to continue if it is in whatever form. Um, hopefully you've got the message that tonight is Monday night and it means our dinner evening meal is 15 minutes earlier, so in about 10 minutes. So, And it's helpful for the cooks if we uh, are there on time and, and are out of the kitchen by 5.30 or so because they have to prepare for the next people coming in. And it also means that there are a bunch of people coming in it's Monday night. So, you know, if you really want to protect your practice, I'd advise, uh, especially around the time people are coming, which is six, six o'clock and then seven o'clock, to stay above the gate, and then you'll be quite protected from that. But if you want some excitement, it's all happening <laughs> down below. I don't recommend it, though. Okay, thank you.